Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson, CEO of Loyalty 360, welcoming you to another edition of our Loyalty 360 podcast series. In this series, we talk to the leaders in brand loyalty about what they're seeing in regard to customer channel and brand loyalty, customer experience, and brand engagement. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Alicia Mauder, the head of U.S. marketing for Circle K. How are you, Alicia? Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great on a rainy Thursday here in Charlotte. How are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, I was just uh, talking about uh, rooftop bars before we got into this. So I was looking forward to have some rooftop bars in Cincinnati, but we don't have them. So hopefully we get to have our conference in September coming up and we'll be able to partake in some of the great wolf rooftop bars in Charlotte. Absolutely. We'd love to show you around. The weather's beautiful here in September. Excellent. Um, can you give us a brief overview of Circle K and your role within the company? Absolutely. So Circle K Convenience Stores is a global company um, headed up out of Canada where Alimentation Couchetard is the parent company and is really an interesting brand that's come together through acquisition. So uh, the Circle K brand name, which we carry largely around the globe, comes from a company that was acquired a few years back in Arizona, which was originally Circle K but a decentralized model that has grown through acquisition, now over 16,000 locations strong around the world, majority company owned. We do have some franchise, but the vast majority is uh, company owned stores. And within my role, I am the head of US marketing. So I have a counterpart in Canada and Europe as well, where are the three primary regions. And we oversee campaigns, media, uh, everything from a national level and then support our regional business units. There are 14 in the United States and continue to really focus on decentralized. So we don't have a normal corporate structure or oversight where we're pushing things down and the, the stores are just executing. Most of the decisions and the PL ownership actually sit within the regional business units. And we serve as a support center in the, in the truest sense of the form to help make sure that they're able to take care of our guests each and every day. That's awesome. Uh, recently, we featured news on Circle K and your corporate, uh, corporate social responsibility efforts. Could you share a little bit more on how you're working with Feeding America and potentially other nonprofits in response to COVID-19, but also what does CSR mean to Circle K and, and to your customers? So CSR is such a great topic and it varies a little bit by each company I've worked with, but also as you look across the landscape, how different companies uh, take that in and it's certainly a multifaceted approach at, at Circle K as well. Admittedly, we're getting into it fairly early on still here in uh, the United States. They've had a very well-established program in Europe for several years. And in the United States, although we've had a corporate social responsibility program, it's been very decentralized. So as I mentioned across the 14 business units, each of them, and sometimes even locally within the different markets are supporting their own charity organizations, doing roundup campaigns, volunteering. We really focus on, even though we're a large company, that local impact in the truest sense of the decisions local, the dollars stay local and helping support that. And so, although that's been going on for several years when COVID-19 hit, um, we saw a need, uh, a significant need that affected our associates, that affected the guests that are coming in our stores every day and affected America on a whole and knew we needed to do something larger, faster than trying to set up a whole bunch of individual initiatives by region. And so we contacted Feeding America a great partner. One of the things that attracted us to that organization is there are so many wonderful charities out there was the ability to keep the dollars local. So we knew with the program, if you bought gas in Charlotte, 
um, that dollar would help a food bank and a food pantry and people there in Charlotte. So it wasn't kind of going up to a big corporate and then going back down. The other thing was just the importance, um, you know, with food, the need of food is such a key relevant area for so many people. And we knew that was something that we could jump in and help quickly with. So we rolled out a program across the United States challenging uh, for a minimum of 25 million meals to be donated for every fuel transaction, we donated a meal and we're just blown away by the response. Hit 25 million meals super fast and have already gone on and increased that challenge to 40 million meals and are you know, very pleased to say that we've achieved 40 million meals for Feeding America and we'll continue to look at how we support them longer term. Excellent. Okay. Uh, next question is really around your efforts around corporate social responsibility. Now, how does it play an overall, uh, or how does it impact the, you know, the, the organizational mission? You talked to uh, a, you know, a little bit about it in your company culture. Is that something that you guys have always put forth? Is it a kind of an increased focus during COVID-19 or, you know, how does that play out? So it's always been there and it, it's interesting because Circle K is really formed by multiple acquisitions. A lot of times we're adopting cultures and everything from, you know, internal company culture to how we're working with uh, the guests every day in the stores. As we acquire a company, naturally there's a culture that comes with that. And so we've we really worked within the decentralized model to, to keep that and move it forward positively and finding ways of alignment. So it's always been there that's kind of been running long-term underneath the, uh, the setup within our organization. But probably the key things I would say on, on corporate social responsibility that have changed as we've come into COVID-19 is trying to do things that unify more nationally versus doing things individually. So that's something that's been a larger impact. And then from a culture piece, if you think about Circle K, our, our real mission is making our customers' lives easier every day. And that applies all the way through the way we look at operations, the way we look at payment systems, fueling, the way we look at our marketing campaigns, but also the way we look at, at corporate social responsibility. And if there are things that we can do out in our local communities that can make our customers' lives easier every day, um, both inside the store and outside the store, we're certainly going to take those opportunities to do it. So it aligns really well with that overall mission of, you know, take it easier, making our customers' lives easier. And we continue to look for opportunities to do that, um, both inside of COVID and, and outside once we were there before and what happens after. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, and what about the employees? Employees obviously are very important uh, to kind of getting the word out about the program from a kind of support perspective, but also that front uh, line, you know, a CSR person in store, in lane. How do you communicate these efforts to your employees? And then in turn, how do they kind of get that message out to your audience? I mean, you said it well, you cannot underestimate the importance of the employee's involvement in all aspects of the brand, but especially in a corporate social responsibility. For many guests, their entire experience with Circle K is based on the associate interaction when they come into store. And otherwise, it's just a building. So having those associates being key brand advocates for believing in what you're doing and being able to speak to it in a way that's not a here's a line that we expect everyone at the register to say as you're walking out the door, but in an authentic way, and it's something that is meaningful to them, is key. And that's, a, you know, I kind of keep talking about the importance of making sure that we have it local. So Feeding America is a great example. 
in San Antonio just this week, we had a large group of associates that went out and volunteered at the local food bank there and packed meals. And the ability to engage the associates in these different initiatives, whether it's a roundup campaign and they can speak to the importance of why we're donating to the local organization or if it's the larger Feeding America campaign, they really are the advocates. And the response has just been tremendous as we rolled out this campaign, associates reaching out, talking about how proud they are to work for the company. Um, this came on right after we had already rolled out a first responders offer. So we were one of the first places in the United States to roll out uh, free beverages for healthcare and first responders. And the associates were so excited, proactively reaching out to local hospitals and areas, letting them know that we had this offer so that we could help take care of them. And then as we then started to roll in Feeding America and some other programs, the, the pride the associates have taken, but also the outpouring of support from customers has been hugely impactful and incredibly rewarding. That's awesome. Um, obviously, uh, highly competitive industry and fuel uh, can be difficult to differentiate sometimes, but how does uh, Circle K differentiate your offerings? Your CSR efforts are very compelling. How you're engaging your employees obviously is very unique as well, but how do you look at it more holistically from a kind of competitive differentiation perspective? It's, it's hard, especially in um, the convenience industry, because to some extent, Fuel is fuel is fuel, and we've kind of passed the point where the the differentiation of a branded fuel versus a non-branded has is a little bit shifted with the new customer generations that are coming in, and so a customer's number one influence is price of gas, and that's going to drive where their purchase is in a lot of occasions, which makes it really hard to differentiate when you're going down to just a price point. And you've seen this in QSR, the race to the bottom on price points for cheeseburgers ends up with the complete inability to differentiate and it can be that way on fuel as well and so as we look at how we make sure that in such a competitive industry that naturally a lot of people don't seek out to have you may have a favorite restaurant you go to you may have a favorite clothing store that you like to shop at um, you know you certainly see a lot of affinity for even some brands like you know Sephora or Champion or areas like that you don't hear a lot of people going into a party and going, man, let me tell you about my favorite convenience store brand. It's the best. And so as you recognize that and you think about how you stand out, it's really important that associate interaction. And as we think about Circle K, we really, we call ourselves kind of a snowflake brand. So if you go into a store, almost every store is different. And that's really driven by the fact that we've come through acquisition, less from building ground up and new to industry, although we are doing more new stores all the time. But with each store being a little different, the assortment's a little different because the square footage isn't the same. We're trying to really embrace that and say, as much as our stores are different, so are our customers. They're all different. And we wanna make sure that we're able to serve them as they want to be served in their local area. So it's not a cookie cutter experience. It becomes much more personalized. That raises some issues with consistency because customers crave consistency and experience. But we've found overall, over time, that there's actually been a really positive reaction and affinity for this, you know, slightly differentiated, unique experience. And as we continue to start to pull more programs in that are exclusive to Circle K, more products in that are exclusive to Circle K, the better loyalty we're building. So we have, you know, some products that are exclusive on our Polar Pop Fountain. 
um, that you can only get at Circle K. And we start to see, even though everyone can get a fountain drink for somewhere between 69 and 89 cents, regardless of the C store you go to, you can only get this one particular product at Circle K. And that's bringing in a nice loyalty and also engagement with the customers. That's awesome. Um, what about uh, segmentation, personalization, cadence management? Obviously, a uh, big topic uh, before COVID-19 and uh, much more impactful now. It was actually the number one area of interest in uh, 2019 as we wrapped the year we interviewed our, our members. What are you guys looking at uh, with regard to kind of very personalized messaging, getting a kind of a holistic view of the customer? How are you guys doing that and, and maybe what are you seeing? We are early on in the journey. So if I want to, if I think about it, it's, you know, we packed the car and, and are starting to get out of the driveway, but haven't quite hit the road yet on the, the whole piece of it. So we have completed our first ever customer segmentation in the United States. And we also have done some customer journey work. And that alone has enabled us to, I mean, from where we were two years ago to where we are today, a significant increase in targeting and knowing who our customer is, what's important to them, far beyond just the, the demographic piece of it. But there's still so much more to go. And especially if you look at all the information that's available from a digital perspective and, and a social perspective in today's environment, we have a lot to do to continue to get to know our customer better. We're doing um, several rounds of research, customer-led research, trying to solicit feedback more actively. Social listening has taken a huge um, presence for us, especially during COVID-19, to understand what the customer needs and how they're reacting to the different initiatives we're putting out there. So we have four core customer segments here in the US. We focus on them in everything we do. We talk about them regu regularly and we're starting to talk about the journey, the occasions, less around I want a hot dog and more around I'm hungry and I'm looking for something for lunch that's not gonna be too filling or too expensive. And it changes the entire way that you message. but there's a long way to go on that journey. As you look at personalization and communications and emails and um, an app integration, as you look at you know what that means for a loyalty program, all of those pieces are, are still, they're on the roadmap, but have yet to, to get to those yet. That's awesome. That's great that, that uh, you're, you're in the journey. A uh, quick question follow up to that. With the fact that you've done a lot of acquisition uh, and having, a, you know, we're pretty familiar with the, the fuel store industry and some of the challenges there, does having that, that differentiation obviously can be very unique, but, you know, having Verifone at the pump potentially, or sorry, having uh, Gilbarco at the pump or Wayne can, can, can be a challenge, right, with regard to getting data in kind of an actionable uh, manner, or are you guys handling that pretty well? I, I will say that we're handling it well in terms of we have identified the, the data which we would like and we understand the difficulty of acquiring that, uh, less so in terms of getting the solution in place. So we did hire and we are building out an excellent data analytics team internal, which is awesome. a yeah. huge step forward. Um, but, you know, and that team's already made leaps and bounds in terms of understanding you know, pricing scenarios and some of the low hanging fruit there. I think probably the biggest challenge is again, being decentralized. Our POS systems, if you look at getting some of the information, there's a combination of well over 20 different POS systems and backend systems that we have to try to connect and get data out of. 
we don't have the ability to turn on a loyalty program across the United States seamlessly because we don't have the same integrations in all of our stores. And sometimes we don't even have the same uh, system integrations and data within a region. And so we have a roadmap and we're working through getting that standardized, which will give not only much better data, but a much better customer experience. Uh, but all those things take a lot of take a lot of time to get them set up right so that once you get them in place, you can really be off and running. Um, the, the pump and the transaction details, again, just as you said, continues to be a, a challenge in how you fully see that customer journey from pump to in store and getting the market basket detail. Uh, we're making progress on getting some visibility into that, working with some external partners, but it will it'll take a bit of time. What I like to say though is we're continuing to make improvements every day. So even though we're not to where I would hope we would be from a customer personalization and understanding uh, the ins and outs of the transactions and, and what they're buying and how we can make a better experience, we're certainly improving each and every day. And I'm thrilled with the amount of progress we've made, you know, even over the year and a half I've been at Circle K, it's been tremendous. So challenges with data analytics and creating actual insight. I think you touched on a little bit right now. How do you see that going forward? Uh, building more Circle K with a, obviously a consistent technology stack, a technology infrastructure helps with that. But you know, when you look at data and analytics and the need to get uh, you know, more personalized communication, zero party data, how are you looking at uh, that opportunity? I mean, it will be probably one of the biggest growth opportunities. There's so often at Circle K, we've focused on key initiatives, like how do we build out our car wash network? How do we give a better fueling experience? How do we, you know, we have a huge food program that we're rolling out in the United States right now, which will be, you know, transformative to the experience from a food service perspective. Um, and all those programs are great, but they really hinge on having a personalized and I say sophisticated, not in terms of, the actual communication, but in terms of the back end and how we look to engage with customers, because they expect it. They're getting it from um, some from other competitors, but especially other brands that they experience with, they're getting a, a highly personalized, tailored experience. And when they interact with Circle K, they don't suddenly think, well, it's okay if it's not as personalized or if it's more generic or if I get a couple of bad offers, they're looking for that same level of personalization. And so as we look at the, the roadmap and the growth in sales and customer acquisition and, and establishing a customer lifetime value, it's a huge focus for the next two years where we will make meaningful progress over time. It's also something that we're really looking at how do we understand what's important to the customer. And so many times people build programs and look at data for what they want to do, for, for how they see of I want to grow the market basket and I want them if they're buying, you know, a Mountain Dew today, I want to make sure they're also buying a bag of Doritos. And we're taking a slightly different approach, which is what is the customer really looking for? What do they want, even if they don't know how to articulate it? And then how do we build something and get the data set up so that we're able to go and deliver that and exceed those expectations? Awesome. That's great. And what is the biggest challenge you face as a senior level marketer today? There's a lot of challenges. Um, no, it's a it's an incredible time to be out in in the industry as a marketer because everything has changed so rapidly. And if I reflect on, I had first come out of school um, right when the recession was hitting in 2008 2009, and took my first you know company job after college. And 
everything was changing. All, we were rewriting all the books at that point because, you know, we hadn't experienced something like that. And certainly in an e-commerce phase and we're trying to understand. And as we look at it now, you know, COVID-19 has dramatically changed the way that we will, the customers will shop with us and the way that we'll interact with them. And so there's certainly a, a heightened focus on, you know, everything from curbside to delivery and all those pieces, but also to making sure that we are able to interact with the customer and deliver a really great experience. And it's, it's challenging today to do that in a right way that's on tone, that's still driving traffic and sales, while also satisfying a customer need. So really important that we're reflecting on all those different pieces uh, throughout the time frame there. That's awesome. And then the last question I have, I actually have two last questions real quick. Um, delivery, is that something you guys are looking to do? I know uh, it seems to be of interest to a lot of uh, C-store chains right now and either building out their own delivery systems or leveraging you know, an Uber Eats or an, another partner in that regard. How are you guys looking at, at delivery? And is that something maybe your customers are asking more of you today than they have in the past? It's certainly become an, an increase in demand. So we've, we have delivery, I'll kind of call them pilots or, or small rollouts, both within Texas and in Florida. Uh, we have three different partners that we're working with that on, and we've seen some favorable results. A bit of what we're challenged with is just from a labor perspective, you have to have someone that's able to go and pull the products to get them ready. Um, as we look at you know expanding food service, how do you ensure a quality product there? And then with the mix of items, a lot of what we're selling is typically age restricted. So as we look at the different ordinances and ability to deliver age restricted products, that impacts um, what we can do there. We think curbside is probably going to be a, a better entry into that because it allows us to more personally take care of those customers that are coming to stores and also help sell those age restricted products, whether it be um, tobacco or alcohol or lottery, while also making sure that you know when we're handing them a polar pop it's cold the ice isn't melted it's filled up to the top it's a great experience when we give them a you know we have fresh ground coffee and when we a big thing we talk about is every single cup is ground fresh right when you order it the beans do not get ground until you push the button to dispense the coffee the beans grind right in front of you you hear it brew and when that then gets taken into a delivery environment that cup isn't as fresh as what we want it to be. We want right. it to be ground and in your hand in under a minute. And when you go to delivery, it's grounded in your hand in somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes. So we're really trying to figure out how we satisfy the customer's needs while holding on to that customer value proposition. I'll tell you much like everyone else, um, COVID-19 is probably the, the biggest uh, accelerant to anyone's uh, tech plans that they had going on. And certainly our, our innovation plans have moved up quickly in getting products out and testing them and finding out what that right mix is for the customer. But we're looking at all different avenues and trying to figure out what gives the best experience while also fitting the customer's needs. Excellent. And the last question I have is, um, if you could ask a brand, uh, a customer or technology provider, one question about customer loyalty, about what's next, uh, as, as we call it our CMO challenge question, uh, what question would that be? Oh, that's a great one. Um, probably the one question I'm most interested in is, and everyone talks about Chick-fil-A. My background is in QSR uh, before this. I worked for Sonic Drive-In, so I have a natural interest in, in Chick-fil-A from that perspective as well. 
but the loyalty that they have built up through an experience and largely without a loyalty program. Their loyalty program was launched long after they already had a, a huge brand and, and customer affinity and strong loyalty and you know, brand advocates, everything. If you had a wish list of what you would want as a brand, they've checked the box on that piece of it. And understanding is they went to market and and that background of how they engaged with the customer and prioritize those pieces while still remaining incredibly profitable uh, and huge sales growth. I mean, they'll do a much higher AUV than most restaurants and they're only open six days a week without the late nights as well. I would love to understand the foundation of that strategy and how they then operationalized it because it's one thing to build out a strategy but to be able to take that and operationalize it every single day in every store is incredible. And there's a huge amount of respect there. So understanding that, uh, you know, would be so beneficial. Excellent. Thanks, Alicia, for taking the time to speak with us today. It was great to hear about your efforts and how you're looking at the customer, especially uh, during this uh, pandemic that we're going through. We appreciate the time and look forward to hearing more from Circle K in the year coming up. And thank you very much and uh, look forward to talking again soon.